Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from San Diego, California. Welcome to the show, Ramsey Blankenship. Thanks, Victor. I appreciate you having me, brother. Great having you here. Now, you're still active in the U.S. military and also investing in real estate. But before we dive into the details, I know we're going to have a great conversation today. Maybe give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey. Yeah, so I joined the military at 18 years old. I've been in the military for 15 years now. I'm a master chief enlisted guy in the explosive ordnance disposal. And I started investing in real estate in about 2015, whenever I moved from San Diego, California, which is extremely expensive, down to the Florida Panhandle, where I bought my first investment property for $40,000. So trying to buy a property in San Diego for $40,000, you wouldn't even be able to get a mailbox, brother. It's, it's just extremely expensive out there. So once I moved down to Panama City, did a house hack, immediately went into multifamily, grew from there, started buying smaller multifamily apartment complexes by myself, and got into some joint ventures outside of state. And then since I've moved back to California, really, I've closed on a hotel today and then closed on a syndication at the end of the week. So kind of scaled up for the past year. It's been, it's been pretty exciting. I love that. And what's it been like balancing the active day-to-day, I'll say W-2 job, the military career, which probably takes you all over the world, together with actively managing a real estate investment business? Well, i tell you what, so real estate is not the only thing that I do. I was I started a company with my brother in the baseball world where we threw baseball tournaments. And the word balance is something that I was very bad at in my 20s. In fact, I was counterbalanced. And the reason I say that is because I was working at the U.S. Navy Dive School as an instructor. And throughout the week, I'd be in the pool for five, six hours. I'd get out, go renovate my apartment complex I had bought until the sun went down. And then on the weekends, I would drive three, four hours to a different city and throw a baseball tournament. I did that for about four or five weeks in a row throughout the summers and eventually put myself into a hospital. What had happened was I had a tension headache where the, the I guess the nerves and the way I explain it is the nerves in the backs of my eyes were trying to touch my spinal cord and my brain was in between. So it put a lot of pressure on that, put me down for about four or five days. And that was my kind of wake up call to, Hey man, you got to balance this stuff out. Like you're doing a bad job. This is not what success looks like right here. So ever since then I have transitioned to, all right, I need to start identifying the things that I like doing and cutting out the things that I don't like doing and partner with people who do like doing those things. And so I would say I've since now that I'm in my thirties, I've definitely graduated from thinking I'm going to do everything myself to now I've got a much better knack for inviting people into my life that can handle the stuff that I don't want to do because they do enjoy doing it. Well, that is the key. That is the key because there's going to be something that you're terrible at for which someone else is going to be their strength. And that's the key to building a complimentary team. A hundred percent. And that's so to, to kind of get into that, Victor, the reason that I identify that it wasn't just getting to the hospital, that was kind of a wake up call for me. But before I joined the Navy, all right. So whenever I did join the Navy, by the way, it's 2005, right after Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans. And then Hurricane Rita came in to hit Lake Charles directly. And Rita basically sat on top of Lake Charles and rain for it, it was four or five days of just constant rain. 
So whenever I went to join the Navy, I was completely flooded in, wasn't able to, like I was supposed to meet my recruiter and ended up having to basically chop our way through the roads, get on a boat and, and, and meet my recruiter so he could drive me to Shreveport, Louisiana, so I could get out of there. Right before I left, the last thing that my dad told me was, I mean, and I don't know if my dad, this was like his opportunity. He saw his son leaving for the military, and this is the last bit of wisdom that he was going to be able to give to me. But man, at the time, it didn't make sense to me. But what he had told me, he said, son, you're a young man, and young men chase things. It's what we do. He said, when you're in your 20s, you're going to chase women. When you're in your 30s, you're going to chase money. When you're in your 40s, you're going to chase your kids out of the house. But when you hit your 50s, you're going to realize you wasted a lot of time chasing the wrong things, and you're going to start chasing back your lost time. And I tell you what, I was 18 years old, so that flew right over my head. I joined the military. Off I went to boot camp, shaved my head, gave me a number, basically broke me down to what they call parade rest and started building me up again. And in the military, especially at the younger ranks, they start, they teach you about checklists. You're not there to think creatively, put it that way, right? Especially at the junior ranks. And so I had my first checklist from my dad. All right, I'm 20. Let's start chasing women. <laughs> All right, dad, I can handle that, right? This sounds good. And I, I guess you could consider me an overachiever because the time I turned 21, I had married my wife, I had a kid with her. And then, and then, okay, dad, what's next, right? Start chasing money. And that is when I really started looking at investing outside the military because I realized that a military retirement looks a lot like getting another job because you just you get out and it, the money that you get from your uh, retirement does not sustain a lifestyle that you just had. Well, I started investing in real estate. That's whenever me and my brother started the baseball business. Five, six years later, I find myself in the hospital. But it wasn't until I actually turned 30 that I remember what my dad told me about chasing that lost time. And I looked back over the 12 years I had been in the military because I joined at 18 and I'm 30 now. 12 years, if I looked back at the amount of time I'd spent with my father, every year I would go home for about four or five days or a four or five day weekend. I would spend so much time meeting up with other family members, meeting up with old friends, going back around, you know, running the roads again. But during that weekend, I, my dad would grab me before I flew out we'd spend two hours on the back porch drinking beers, right? Just unfiltered, uninterrupted time with my dad. So if you look at how much time that you get to spend, like, like what is your time that you actually spend doing what you want to do? 12 years, two hours a year, I had spent one day with my father since my military career had started. So immediately that weekend, I called my dad up and I said, you're coming with the, for my birthday. I want you to come out to California. We're going to go out to the desert, there's this thing where they shoot a bunch of machine guns. Just We're just going to go do this together. Spent six hours driving there with him, 72-hour weekend with him, six hours driving back. And that weekend, I spent 80 hours with my father. And I, the way I look at it is I bought 40 years back with my dad based on the route that I was on. So I really started looking at time in a different light. My biggest thing is I'm chasing money. Why am I chasing money? I'm spending so much time chasing money. Well, how can I use money to buy my time back? And that's whenever real estate, whenever I started actually making money in real estate passively, the way I looked at it is if, if I make, say, $50 an hour and I can make $1,000 passively in a, in a month, well, divide that by 50, I've, I bought myself back 20 hours throughout this month. And I call that my cash on time, 
right? Not cash on cash. What's my cash on time? How much time have I put into this and how much time have I bought back? It's not necessarily about money for me, but money definitely can buy you back time if you don't have to work for it as much. So that, that, that is essentially uh, how I look at things nowadays. I love that. Well, it's back to that old phrase, time is money. And so you can always reverse that and say money is time. Yeah, because it's it gives me the opportunity now. I like I you know I don't do yard work anymore, I don't clean my house anymore. Right, we we hire that out. Why? Well, because it's not worth my time. I'd rather be spending that time with my kids, even if I'm just sitting on the porch drinking lemonade, watching somebody else do the yard work. Hey, man, <laughs> I, that frees up my bandwidth. Where when I'm spending my time with my family, I've got a clear head. I'm not tired. I'm in a better mood. So, a hundred percent. Anything, any investment that I make, I look at how much time is this going to take and how much time am I buying back in the future? I love it. So do you have a particular formula that you use to recover time or when you evaluate an investment or when you evaluate a project or an opportunity, are you looking at it through the lens of, well, this is how much it can generate on an annual basis or a monthly basis in terms of cash flow, or are you looking at it in terms of how much time will this particular project buy me back? And conversely, how much time will this project cost me? The one thing that I can't stand, we were talking about finding team members that complement what you like and what you don't like. For me and the team that I've built, we're doing syndications now that I kind of explain it to the team because these two guys that I partnered with didn't know each other. I said, look, I've known you guys throughout my life and you both want to be into real estate. So I have the GPS coordinates. I just don't have the map. And so I went out and found a guy who knew the lay of the land. He knew the people, he knew the resources available, but he wasn't very good at planning step-by-step. Step. So I went and found another guy who gives us the route. This is what's important today. This is what's important tomorrow. This is what's important this week. And that guy, essentially, if you have all three of us, then I have the GPS coordinates, I've got the map and I've got the route, then we can get to wherever we want to go. If I would try and do all of that myself right now, I would still be just spinning my wheels and would never have got my first syndication under my belt. So whenever I do look at it, any type of investment, any type of project, I look at one, am I going to be able to do what I like doing? Two, am I going to be able to get this going? I don't want to say set it and forget it. But what I do want to say is I like to do the vision stuff, the creative thinking, the innovator is there a way that I can set that up and then pass it off to my task manager? He's very good at understanding what the next step is because I cannot stand like data entry or doing the same thing over and over Excel spreadsheets, underwriting. I would rather headbutt a nail gun than do that type of stuff, but going out and meeting people, analyzing deals, putting together business plans, this thing that you pretty much do it once and it's done and then off to the next one. I love that kind of stuff. So it's not really a, a waste of time for me. But anything that I can't stand doing, if I see myself having to do it a whole bunch to get this project going, then I won't make that investment. In a mature business, I think it's been said that 80% of the senior management intention goes to managing exceptions, managing problems that arise. It'd be nice if you could focus all of your time and energy on purely the growth of the business. But in the real world, just like in the military, You've got things that are unexpected, things that crop up that are not part of the plan, and they require the discipline, the tenacity, the fortitude to go after those and get those solved. Those aren't necessarily things that you'll want to do. How do you deal with those? One of the things that we say in the military is the difference between a good plan and a perfect plan is a good plan actually has a start time. And that's one thing that I like about it is you sit around and wait for the perfect plan. 
uh, you're never going to get started. And so I will tell my team, like, if the plan is 80% ready to go, then let's, let's take the first step and get going. I leave that additional 20% for putting out fires for, for solving problems. And I actually like solving problems. And I would say that's probably one of the things that I'm best at on our team is solving the problems. Whereas if we have that 80% plan, we're ready for the majority of the problems. We're just looking for anomalies. We're prepared for the problems, but we have our guide. And that's all a plan is. It's just a guide. You're supposed to have left, right, lateral limits that you can operate within. But if your plan is so rigid that you can't make a decision if something comes up outside of that plan, well, that in and of itself is a poor plan. So we do it in the military all the time. We will say, hey, well, there's holes in this plan. or Have we accounted for this? Yes, we've accounted for it. We don't have a 100% plan on it because we got to be able to react to things. And I would say that definitely having somebody on your team that's good at working well under pressure, handle stress very well, that is 100% somebody that you need. And that's just, I would say, in general leadership, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as you look forward over the next little bit, you're still actively in the military, you're doing syndications. What's the plan over the next 12, 24 months? By the end of the week, we'll have completed our first syndication purchase. And so now we're going into the actual execution of the business plan. Uh, we've teamed up with a couple of different groups. We're on the general partnership side of that. We're actually going to be doing a lot of learning from this syndication over the next couple of months. We just bought a hotel, and that's obviously a different investment class. We're going to be executing the business plan on that as well. But again, the guys on my team are the ones going to be implementing those business plans. And the next step for us, we are syndicating B and C class apartment complexes, 100 units or above. And so we are trying to get to 500 units within the next two years. Right now we're at 120. So that is the, the goal for us. I think what it's going to take is we're going to have to continue growing that our network, which whenever we first got started, I felt like we were spinning our wheels quite a bit because it, we built the Ferrari. We just didn't have a driver, right? We didn't have that. We didn't have any forward motion until we started really making investments into relationships with people. We were worried about capital raising, we were worried about deal flow. And once we actually focused on, we don't need to worry about either of those. We just need to worry about building relationships and building trust with people. The money and the deal flow actually started coming in. So now that we have focused on relationships, opportunities are opening up and we're able to take action. We see very much the same thing. I mean, we see literally an all-you-can-eat buffet of opportunity. We have more opportunities coming our way than we could possibly even fulfill in a lifetime. And I think that's the result of building those strong relationships. So that resonates very strongly with me. Oh, yeah. That's what I get asked all the time. What comes first, the the deal or the, the money? Like, do you get a deal under contract that you don't have money for, or do you go raise money that you don't have a deal to buy? And again, my answer to that is what comes first is relationships. I wish I'd have known that about a year ago when we first started putting this business together, because that would have accelerated us beyond what our goal is right now. I think it delayed us about probably six months because we were just spinning our wheels worried about the wrong thing. And we finally, because we had that glass ceiling on our head that we weren't able to buy a deal of this size, or we weren't able to raise the amount of capital of this size, we hired a coach. And that coach really, we just focused on mindset stuff and broke a lot of glass ceilings for us. And our first deal out of the gate was 119 unit apartment complex. So 
I, if you would have told me 119 units a year ago, what I would have probably said is that's, that's got too many digits on it, right? Like I'm looking for 19 units or it just, I was thinking too small. And that was probably my biggest mistake in real estate was just limiting what I thought I was capable of. And once we hired out a coach and they honestly just really told us everything that we were doing was on the right track with the exception of where our heads were at with what we were capable of. And it sounds cliche to say that, but it really mindset is a huge portion of being able to actually accomplish something. So oh, I love that. Well, Ramsey, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? They can find our website as uh, realfocus.org, real is in real estate, focus.org. You can email me at Ramsey at realfocus.org. If you have a podcast or you want to get your name out on a podcast, you can join our Facebook group, which is real estate podcast hosts and guests. Love to have you on there. Any other podcasters or any other guests uh, that, that want to get their name out there. Fantastic. Well, Ramsey, I love the perspective. I love where you're at in your journey. And I wish you all the best success in the future. And for the listeners at home, definitely reach out to Ramsey at realfocus.org. That's realfocus.org. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. And I'll talk to you again tomorrow.